Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, mother, and the voice behind the Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there's an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I made this podcast just for you. Disclaimer, if you feel you have lymphedema but have not been diagnosed, please see your medical professional as this podcast is not a replacement for a diagnosis in person, a treatment in person from your certified lymphedema therapist, or a substitution for your doctor's medical advice. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. Today, I am so excited to close out our series on not all CLTs are created equal and to close out this month of lymphedema awareness and the kickoff to season five of lymphedema podcast. Again, every time I say that, I can't believe that I've been doing it for five seasons now. So without further ado, I want to introduce, I want to introduce you to the guest of honor today. I have Gunter Close joining me. Gunter is the owner and executive director of Close Training, and he has been providing lymphedema treatment since 1984. Gunter, welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. Thank you, Betty. I'm honored to be here. So we're going to jump into it. Uh, This is the wrap-up to the series on not all CLTs are created equal. And I want to kind of lean into this uncomfortable conversation. And the backstory is that I was at the NLN this last year and I had the honor of sitting in on your presentation about the state of CDT today. And one of the things you said that really stuck out to me was that one, the people who probably needed to hear your presentation, they weren't even in the room. And so I want to do the podcast that in case they listen to the podcast, they will still get a bit of your message. So that was one thing that really stuck out to me. And then the second thing that stuck out to me is that I think you were talking about in the 90s when you were treating in New York and you said people would come from all over like Alaska and all over the United States to come in and get treatment. Um, Those are kind of the early days of that CDT here in the U.S., And you said you felt like people were getting better treatment then than they probably are now, considering, you know, all of our advances in technology, um, skill sets and things like that. And I'm adding those last two bits. But you had just mentioned that you thought they were probably getting better CDT in the 90s than what they're receiving now. And I just want you to elaborate a little bit on that. And let's echo that message so the people who weren't in that room can hear that message today. Yeah, and I think the reason, the main reason for that statement is because we did CDT more consistently, like five times a week for like usually four weeks at that time. And we have learned that we can actually cut down on the number of weeks, but it is still best 
for many people, and mind you, there are exceptions, there are plenty of exceptions, but for most people with lymphedema, if they have never received lymphedema therapy before to come five times a week, Monday through Friday, and that was the standard in the 90s. Um, even people who came to us and were trained and then went to their respective community and carried out CDT, they typically followed the five times a week for two, three, possibly four weeks uh, before the visits tapered off and the patient was then discharged. Nowadays, people are providing lymphedema therapy oftentimes just one time or two times per week for many weeks. So the number of visits, the total visits for each patient has not really changed that much, but oftentimes the therapy time is now dragged out to eight weeks, nine weeks, sometimes 10 weeks. And of course, patients don't get the results if the intensive decongestive treatment phase is carried out like that. And I think that is one of the biggest differences. The other difference that I see in today's world, the treatment time is kind of like um, shortened. Um, now in some facilities, they give 45 minutes treatments for a patient with lymphedema. And I find that to be very challenging for the therapist because you're not only doing MLD, but you also have to do the bandaging, you have to do the instructions in self-care, and then there may be some other components to the treatment that the therapist needs to cover. And covering all of this in 45 minutes is, is frankly, it's impossible if you want to do a good quality job. And, and, and I have to say that most therapists have a good heart, that's why they are in therapy and they want to provide best practice but sometimes the facilities don't allow them to do this piece of their work. So it is true that on average, on average, patients probably had a better chance to get better care in the 90s than here in 2020. What I hear out of that and what I heard in your presentation wasn't a, you're doing it wrong, do better, you know, shame on you therapist. I didn't get that at all. And I'm not getting that now. I'm hearing more of a call to action of reflect on your clinical program and reflect on our standards of care as a clinician, as a CLT, and then to make effort to make a change. Right, and I really appreciate this because my contribution to the NLN or now here in this podcast is not to shame people into, you know, anything. It's more like you said, a call of call to action. And my hope would be that people do, uh, therapists out there, evaluate, reevaluate what they're doing with patients with lymphedema. Many times I would talk to a therapist who has now become more accustomed to doing uh, lymphedema work only like once or twice a week on patients with lymphedema. And they would tell me that, but, but I'm getting good results. And sometimes I feel like just because you have been doing it for 10 years and the results are what they are, that does not necessarily make them the best results or uh, the results that the person 
could have if they had been treated more consistently. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, I find that, you know, the excuse for not providing better treatment or best practice for lymphedema is oftentimes the insurance. And that is also not true in many cases because there's really no difference if you treat that person 20 times over the span of 10 or 12 weeks, or you treat the patient 15 times in three weeks, um, you will have, the results will be better. Uh, the patient will not be so discouraged because if they, if they have a very long span of time that they need to go to lymphedema therapy and, you know, not stay in their bandages between sessions, they will not have the same good results as someone who has come out of therapy and has gotten daily treatments for two or three weeks. And so for the insurance, it's oftentimes not, a, I mean, not an issue to see the patient daily. It's the facilities that have to allow the therapists to do that. And that's where the therapists need to stand up to their supervisors, maybe managers and say, this is what I've learned in my CDT, in my certification class. And uh, we are not providing the best practice for our patients with lymphedema. And really truly give that supervisor the benefit of the doubt that they don't even know what lymphedema therapy is like, because you may be working for someone who has never gone to a um, certification training for lymphedema. So if you're working for someone who has no idea what lymphedema treatment is and how it differs from, let's say, orthopedic treatments or spinal cord injury, then you need to give them the education. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't know what it is, that they will squeeze you into a treatment frequency and, and unreasonable times, um, but they don't know any difference. So education, education, education is a key. And um, explain to them that what I'm about is not more visits. I don't want to occur any more co-pays for that patient. In fact, you end up saving a few visits if you do it well and um and that needs to be explained and i think we can maybe win some people over so this is not going to be a surprise to you because we spent a couple days together over the summer at camp watch me and so you've kind of seen my personality in action but i'm going to tell you how i did this in the clinic i formerly worked in because i remember as a new CLT in my training, my instructor, she said, if your patient can't come five days a week and they can't commit to the upfront cost of the bandaging supplies and they can't commit to five days a week for two to three weeks, and you know, they can't find someone to come with them, they're not for you, just wait, kick them down the line or put them on the wait list or they'll come back and they're ready. And my heart could not stand that because I'm like, I have this. I always told people, I feel like I have a fire truck and these people's houses are on fire, but they don't know where the water or the fire hose is. And so I'm like, I have it. Come here. I will help you. So my manager at the time was a lymphedema therapist and she provided three days a week, usually three days a week for more severe patients, twice a week for less severe. So Monday through Friday, 
when I began as a CLT, I was doing half ortho and half uh, MLD, uh, not just MLD, but lymphedema therapy. So my schedule was chaotic. I had half days um, in the morning just doing ortho, half days on the other days doing uh, lymphedema, and I was all over the place. And so I had asked to have it changed. She, as a CLT, said, no, they won't come. No, they can't afford it. You know, no, we're not going to do that. Her position was changed at some point later down the line where she was just then a treating therapist and she was no longer the manager. And I went to the new manager and I said, hey, we need to change this. And I took him um, an article on the gold standard of care. I took, I mean, I copied some pages out of my textbook um, and said, this is the gold standard of care. These are the supplies needed. You know, when we have orthopedic patients, we provide them with pulleys or we provide them with TheraBand and we provide them with some things that they need. So why can't we bulk order some of these supplies? We were a nonprofit hospital, so we couldn't charge for them. But why can't we start with some of these supplies and then they buy their refill? So we start with a basic, they add to it, and we do five days a week and we try it. Um, terrible backlash. It was the worst year of co-working existence in my life with that co-worker, my former manager, who was really mad that I kind of fought for that. But we had better outcomes. And we were seeing this more frequently. They were staying more compliant. Um, COVID then happened. And so I no longer worked in the clinic. I uh, was super pregnant when COVID came about and I never went back into the clinic afterwards. But I feel like I definitely made a change for the best um, for our patients. And they had those um, supplies and they had the scheduling they needed. The other thing that happened that I want to say to, to encourage anyone who's listening is my new manager who did not have CLT experience and really didn't understand what lymphedema was. I invited him in to about three treatments and just went through the full treatment. I did the education. We did the MLD. Um, and when we came out of it, after those couple of visits, he was like, you gotta have more than even an hour because it was hard for us to get an hour and so I ended up having um, 90 minute sessions to be able to see my patients and I could say this is a 90 minute patient or this is a one hour patient and I could have that choice and not just say I only have 30 minutes and I have to have see two of you at a time so it can be done it's extremely uncomfortable to be that person in the room who wants to disrupt everything but really when it settles and the the like like I'm trying to say that when the dust settles it's a lot better for everybody so I hope that's encouraging to anyone who's listening and take your manager in there take the person in there who's making those decisions yeah you made some excellent excellent points I mean for one thing it's music to my ears when I hear like oh and by the way it really worked better for my patients and they are more compliant and stuff that's that's a result of changing that kind of like system, which has now, I don't want to say it becomes standard of care because it is this, the standard that people are getting, but it's a very, very low standard. And I wish that, you know, the standard would become better, but you made some excellent points. Bringing in that case, um, not a case manager, but your, your supervisor, your manager, and showing them what it is that you actually do is eye-opening. I hear it over and over again, not just from you just now, 
but from other people who have said, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't know what this all entailed because it is not just, just MLD or bandaging. It is the MLD, the bandaging, the home exercise program. And, you know, all these things that you need to do with a patient in each session. And um, so I think it's, it's really a, a, an education that these people who don't know lymphedema um, need. And for the others who, you know, it's kind of like it, it takes a commitment on the patients to come for this kind of like treatment. I get that. It's not a quick fix. It's not a surgery or a pill, but it also takes a commitment on the lymphedema therapist. I have met many lymphedema therapists in my life who Frankly, they weren't that terribly interested in doing this kind of like hands-on work with the patient because you are with that patient in an ideal situation every day and you can see their progress. And after five days, you see the excitement on the patient's part. You see the excitement in your you know, work. And then that would motivate them to ask, hey, can I come over the weekend? And you're saying no. <laughs> because you don't want to do six or seven days. That's we, we tried that too, but that's another podcast. And, um, and so I think people get very encouraged when they see the change after five days and you can keep working with them. But I have met people who don't necessarily have that interest. It's, it's also for the listeners who don't really have the hands-on experience. It's a pretty intimate work that we do with patients with lymphedema because we want to work on their skin, not over their clothing. And um, so it's intimate work that we do. Oftentimes there's a lot of sharing um, of feelings and, and, and situations, which is really important for the patients. And then of course you have the technical aspects of bandaging, the home exercise and so on and so forth. So there's a lot that goes on in each session and that is oftentimes underappreciated by people who don't have the knowledge of lymphedema therapy or what it what it should be in order to provide best practice i hope that makes sense and i wasn't just rattling on <laughs> no you're not you're making sense you're not just rattling on because now a break to recognize the sponsors that make lymphedema podcast possible Eros Medical is a pneumatic compression treatment providing upper and lower extremity compression with more than 30 sizes and pump sleeves. Eros is sure to have a product to help you in against lymphedema. Pediatric Lymphedema Alliance is the first pediatric lymphedema garment kit and education resource. Play provides specifically curated kits for pediatric patients by age and stage of lymphedema. The eight hour online course is a great starting point for new therapists, or families who are interested in learning more about the fundamentals of pediatric lymphedema management. Juzo family-owned compression garments give you the freedom to make the most of every day. I just had this conversation yesterday in a clinic I was visiting here in Little Rock that you get very you get close to these patients. It's an intimate setting where they are not just the fact that they're partially exposed, you know, draped well, but still partially exposed but they're probably coming to you in the United States um, after a cancer treatment. And so they have all these feelings and emotions related to actively fighting or maybe recently have been um, 
a survivor of cancer treatment or you have someone who has you know, primary lymphedema, maybe they've had this condition their whole life and they're finally happy to see someone who's helping them make progress and not just kicking them to the curb. I mean, it made me extremely uncomfortable because I'm one of those women who doesn't really like or know how to take compliments very well. And so when people would compliment me and thank me and people would call me an angel and things, I was like, oh, that's, I'm just, I'm just, no, that's made me uncomfortable. But it's really, it is an intimate setting because you're getting to know these people on a deep level. And unless you're just going to sit in there in complete silence and make everyone uncomfortable, you're going to talk and you're going to get to know each other during that hour or more that you're treating them. So it is a completely, it is a really intimate setting. Um, and that's a thing I don't think a lot of therapists are taught how to handle very well because you might come from the orthopedic world. Maybe you're coming from a rehab perspective, but you're not always prepared for those connections and in this line of work if especially if they're um, a patient an oncology patient they can pass away and so that's like another layer that's another episode and I think I've covered it but that was the conversation yesterday is that it's an intimate treatment you get to know them and then sometimes you have bad outcomes or they pass away and so we're not prepared for that either it is absolutely fascinating work i have been involved in lymphedema for now almost like 40 years and it's absolutely fascinating and when you just take time and listen a little bit to the patients their concerns the emotional um component to lymphedema that we oftentimes almost like neglect because we are so focused on volume reduction. We are so focused on the cosmesis of that limb to make it more like a normal looking arm or leg. But then there's the emotional side of lymphedema, which we oftentimes completely kind of like ignore. And so it's been a fascinating journey and, and, and I still, you know, sometimes it gets a little tiring to fight that fight or beat the drum on, you know, providing good treatment. I call it best practice for patients with lymphedema. But then, you know, if just one person in the audience, whether it's at the NLN or here in this podcast, thinks about what they do and how they could possibly make it better. Um, and that person writes us an email next year and said, hey, I listened and I was really rethinking my program and I maybe I went to a skill builder workshop or maybe I went to a conference to acquire, you know, more up to date skills um, that makes it all worth it. And the patients really out there, they deserve it. And uh, uh, for people who are maybe sitting on the fence, they are not CLTs just yet. Um, maybe we can inspire them to become good CLTs because the world still needs not just more CLTs, but very, we need more dedicated CDT, uh, CLTs, sorry. And that yeah. is not throwing anyone under the bus. It's just like saying like, hey, if you feel like there's room for improvement in your patient care, go for it. The emotion we were just talking about, it lends to this next point. I want to tie it to that use, this is another statement you made, that lymphedema is not an emergency. And if they have an emergency, they're not for us. They need a different department. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow. And in that moment, you were talking about that. And I was going through something um, on our Bryland's feet side 
with a kid with lymphedema that me and Brittany had just been wrestling with back and forth because their situation was emergent, but we could not provide what they needed. And so talking about this, you know, lymphedema is not an emergency, but emotionally that patient may feel like it's an emergency or you as a therapist, you may think, oh, I have a wait list. I need to get these patients in. I need to shorten my visits. I need to get more in. Really, what I got out of your point with that is that if they can't make the time work this month, they can make it work next month. It's not an emergency because the lymphedema isn't necessarily going anywhere. And if you are providing that good quality care, quality CDT, you're going to reduce anyways, and you're not going to lose headway in four to six weeks. You, you do it correctly in four to six weeks, and you'll be done in another four to six weeks, that type of thing. So, Betty, I, I appreciate your comment, and I want to kind of like put things in perspective here because, you know, we are talking so much about best practice, right? And what you said now is true. Mm -hmm. I always say lymphedema is not an emergency. However, I want to make it really clear at this point again that there's always exceptions, right? There's always exceptions to every rule. And I want to start with the exception and say, if you have a breast cancer related lymphedema patient with breast cancer related lymphedema, that is relatively mild, probably just on the onset, you don't want to delay treatment for that person for six or eight weeks. You want to get that person in. She is anxious. She wants to, she learned that lymphedema is a possibility. And now she is experiencing the first symptoms. You want to get that person in because you don't want to leave her in that anxious space for the next, you know, six weeks. So you see her, you provide the education and that would be an exception. Another exception I can, I can think of is maybe a person with head and neck lymphedema who is now just finishing radiation treatment and, you know, the skin changes are still occurring and they are anxious to get into treatment. And even if you bring them in for just an education session and say, this is what we do at the moment, and then we're going to do a more full fledged series of CDT a little bit down the road. But now you have another patient group, which is a very, very large, and I want to say in number growing patient population. And that is the patient population with lower extremity, oftentimes multifactorial lymphedema. So it's not just from one um, cause, but many different causes contribute to the swelling. And they have had that lymphedema kind of like in development for the last four years, five years, maybe even more than 10 years. And finally, after years and years going to the doctors, the doctor says, hmm, you know what? I think you have lymphedema and you should see a CLT. Now, if that CLT really makes that lymphedema that's been in development for the last six, seven, 10 years, uh, an emergency, they're sending out the wrong message. This lymphedema has been there for a while. It's not going anywhere. And if we now take a little time to pause after the IE, after the initial evaluation, we take a little time to pause and say, where are your treatment supplies coming from? 
when is a good time for you to make that time to come for, you know, five times a week for two or three weeks? Uh, maybe we need to delay it for like four to six weeks before you come in for treatment and take the urgency out of that lymphedema care because that will that will be so much more successful. And frankly, if that person with multifactorial lower extremity lymphedema um, has cellulitis, you shouldn't be treating them anyway. That's an emergency, but they are not for you, okay? So um, I think that puts things in perspective. We wanna see a certain person population um, right away to not, you know, miss anything but then again for the ones who have had lymphedema for five years and more for them it's really not an emergency right. and and just kind of like taking the edge off a little bit and say we got this we got you uh let's figure out your insurance let's figure out your supplies let's figure out your aftercare what are you going to be doing after i discharge you and we have all these pieces in place when we roll up our sleeves and get to work i think i'm hearing that if it's an acute onset of lymphedema, that is more of an urgent situation. Not that right. necessarily, so I'm thinking of a secondary to breast cancer onset. Not that necessarily we're extremely concerned about the arm turning into stage three lymphedema in a week or so. We're more, con it's more of a calm the patient, educate and prepare the patient for what is going to come instead of pushing it off like it's not a big deal. And then they don't come back until it's stage two, stage three. And then we have a more severe situation or a longer um, treatment time then. But if it's a patient who has that chronic lymphedema, their lymphedema didn't just occur and it's not going to get extremely worse over a couple weeks time because it's maybe even leveled off at that point as bad as it's going to get. So I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So the last point we're going to, you, and you mentioned it, but the last main point I really want to hit on is that proper MLD is not performed over clothing. And I think your quote was MLD over clothing does not exist. That and is so my quote. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely my quote. You can quote me anytime. <laughs> and, you know, a few years ago when I brought it up in different settings, people looked at me like, you know, is he crazy? No one would ever do that, right? When I bring it up in a setting like a, a classroom or a conference now, then there's always people who say, yeah, this is what my colleagues are doing. Maybe they are doing themselves, but they wouldn't admit it at this point, of course. <laughs> It doesn't exist because in MLD, we need to feel the tissues. We need to feel the pliability of the tissues and use that pliability that the patient displays to our advantage because we are manipulating not only the very surface, we are not just stroking the epidermis, but we wanna actually affect the dermis. We wanna affect the subdermal tissue, frankly, everything just kind of like outside the muscle fascia is what we want to affect with our MLD. Now, if you are doing, and I'm not going to call it manual lymphatic drainage overclosing because that doesn't exist, but if you're doing some manual voodoo overclothing, then that is not manual lymphatic drainage. And I would certainly not back anyone up 
you know, who got into trouble because of that. Now, mind you, and this is for the professionals who are listening to this podcast, we are very concerned about intimacy of patients. And, you know, that when once we touch a person's skin, you know, even a handshake, but now we are touching people's arms, you're touching people's chest, you're touching very intimate areas of their body. That, of course, needs to be explained to the patient and they need to be prepped for that because uh, that's not what they typically experience in physical therapy or occupational therapy. Maybe they had an episode of care for their total knee or for some shoulder injury and they said, well, but at that point I didn't have to get undressed, but now I do. And you have to explain what you're doing to the patient and you want to ask their permission and say, this is what I want to do. If a person was not ready to receive this kind of like treatment, then it would be really hard for me to compromise and do it over clothing, even though there are some reasons where I could say I've made these exceptions too. Okay. But as a rule of thumb, MLD needs to be applied directly on the skin. And it, it also speaks to another element. If I don't see what I'm doing, how can I assess the skin integrity? I have had patients tell me they were never undressed, not even for a, a, an inspection, for like a, a visual inspection of the skin. So you could be rubbing over fibrosis, you could be rubbing over um, erythema, you could be rubbing over cording, you may have a seroma in that chest wall. How would you ever know if the patient doesn't get undressed? So it's absolutely beyond me how people would now conclude that it would be acceptable to do this kind of like treatment over clothing. And, you know, I always in my classes, and again, this is now for the professional who are listening, we are touching the skin, we are doing external treatment. Um, sometimes I have therapists in my class who are pelvic floor therapists, and they are doing a much more intimate internal treatment on patients. So now if you kind of like just put it in perspective for a moment, um, I feel that the patient who is coming to you for lymphedema treatment is actually not the one who is actually displaying a uh, such a degree of modesty that they wouldn't want to get undressed if you provide them with a secure kind of like environment. But it's oftentimes our modesty that we kind of like employ and say, oh my gosh, I, I, don't, I don't want to ask that person to undress. Well, I mean, I've worked with hundreds of patients with lymphedema, upper, lower extremity. And I want to say the vast majority of those patients had no issue unless I made it into an issue. And so think about this for a little bit. And yes, you can quote me anytime saying manual lymphatic drainage over clothing does not exist. Gunter, that was such a great description of MLD over clothing not existing. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what we should do is have a follow-up conversation another day about the points of MLD that either are overlooked or aren't applied as they should be 
And I think we can have that conversation because today is really just a highlight of your presentation from the NLN. And if we can get our hands on that video, um, everybody, I will try to link to that in our notes. If you um, are hearing this now, hopefully, and you are at the NLN, you've already been able to see it. But I know that this uh, video will be not on the NLN's directory at this point um, of the month. So, Gunter, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my little bitty heart that you agreed to come on today to talk about this because I know that the limelight is not really your thing. So I appreciate you just taking time to have a conversation with me and share this really important message with the rest of the Lymphedema community. All right, I have one question for you. Do you have any words of encouragement for patients or therapists who are listening to this episode today? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important that patients become an advocate for themselves and really, you know, kick the tire off that lymphedema program. If you are signing up for a lymphedema therapist because it's maybe the hospital next door, um, you know, research the lymphedema program a little bit just because they're next door may not be the best address. If you have to travel two more miles, maybe that's a better better venue for you. But I want to say in a nutshell, kick the tire of your lymphedema program a little bit. And then if it doesn't feel right, feel free to try someone else. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our topic today. Remember, if there's a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.